Apple presents events at the Apple Store. I'd like to invite you guys to check out the trailer for In a World. In a world. Hey, make sure your phone's turned off. I think we're getting some feedback out here. Oh. Sorry. Uh. Right, ready, ready. This Wednesday, one woman will teach another woman. <clears throat> I just woke up, so my voice is cold. Let's face it, the industry does not crave a female yeah, sound. Yeah, Dad, you may be painfully aware of that my whole but life. Not being sexist, to... that's just the truth. You should stick with the accents. That's what you're good at. What was that great, that Russian Star Wars thing you used to do as a yeah, kid? Yeah, I know the one you're talking about. Please, let me hear it. These are not the droids you're looking for. <laughs> I just love that. It's so random. I've been working. The vocal coaching, right? Hello, Carol. Eva Eva, could you just put the cork back in your mouth and work on those vowels? Thank you. You make a choice. I might be the voice of Sunny Delight. Sunny D. Next up, lemon drop shots on me. I'll see you. I'll uh, see you tonight then. All right. Okay. I know she hung up already. Is that obvious? I lost it to a broad? Are you kidding me? Nowadays, they're flying planes, they're taking jobs. That's just the reality. Welcome to today's world. Let's give the voiceover industry something to talk about here. What do you say? Sorry, I got carried away there. There's a great big epic coming down the pike. The Amazon Games. It's about these fierce, mutated female Amazonian warriors battling clone prehistoric cavemen hybrids. It's all based on the Prussian War. And everybody's in a huff, I guess. They're reinstating the hokey in a world gimmick. In a world. Your dad is so hot. My, 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 my. Ugh. Chim, chimmery. Nope, stupid slap up. This Wednesday, one woman will teach another woman to sound a little less. Can I get a smoothie around here? I don't know where you'd get a smoothie around here at all. I'm so oh, sorry. Okay, thanks so much. Yeah, no worries. In a world. In a world. In a world. Well, cannot wait to see that movie. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator, Whitney Matheson from USA Today, and tonight's guest, Lake Bell. Hi, Hello. guys. Hey, guys. Turn your iPhones off. Wink, wink. Thanks for coming out in the rain, and that goes yeah. for you, too. Thank you. <laughs> Well, I, I really loved your movie, and I mean that sincerely, not just because we're sitting here at the Apple Store. I loved it. It's great. How, was it something, it's a very specific topic, yes. voiceovers. So what led you to explore that particular topic? With the voiceover topic? industry? Yes. Um, I was always really interested in voiceover and sort of the vocal mechanism as something to study and be interested in, mainly because it's such a... Um, I mean, it's a part of how you represent yourself to the rest of the world. You know, you have um, you have two choices to put yourself together a certain way and then also speak a certain way. And um, I, I guess I just got obsessive really early on, you know, doing accents and dialects, you know, as a kid. Um, it was sort of a dinner party trick. Um, my parents would sort of say, hey, like, do that, you know, do that thing. Go entertain us, you child, you know. And... Um, 
someone said, hey, you got a good ear, kid, and I just ran with that. But then it, it sort of uh, evolved into a more sophisticated obsession at drama school in England, where you, got, you get to really study all the muscular, like musculature that goes along with making sound. Um, so it's got more specific. And then I went to LA and thought I was gonna be a great voiceover artist, and then I realized it's impossible to just infiltrate someone's uh, occupation, you know, just naively I went into that and then realized that it was really clicky and also okay. there was a hierarchy involved and then um, a cacophony of characters that seemed ripe for uh, comedy. <laughs> so did you do any voiceover work before you started acting? Um, no, I aspired to. I, you know, I did a lot of dialects and um, studied it quite a bit, but I had never um, really gotten jobs, <laughs> per se. Um, so really, this is like a 93-minute audition for voiceover industry to say, hey, I've arrived. <laughs> Give so, me a job. So at what point did you think that your obsession might make a great screenplay? I think I was just, organic, I was just organically having a conversation with a friend um, shortly following a time when I would constantly be doing voiceovers for people doing things that are really benign, like, um, in a world where one woman needs to go to the bathroom, you know, <laughs> it just kept, you know, just for friends, and they were like, enough already, and then I was like, isn't it weird that no woman has ever taken that authority and, and, and been the omniscient voice? That's strange, isn't it? Wouldn't it be funny to, like, kind of have a character who fancies that, like that's her one life's goal is to say the words in a world. And is it a sexist, you know, is it a sexist industry? You know, is that like a thing? Can I look into that? That's where I started. Yeah. yeah. And it is a thing. Without, hyper without hyperbole, it is totally a thing. There's, there's one, I would challenge anyone in this store um, to think about the last movie trailer they saw that had a woman VO it. You know, there are none. That's there so are literally none. There's that's one. so strange. Okay, fine. There's one. There's one. Melissa Disney did the Gone in 60 Seconds trailer. I don't know if you guys saw that. But it's a great trailer. <laughs> and Melissa Disney kills it. <laughs> so how long did you work on the script? Was it years in the making? The script, door to door, took about, um, I want to say, like, two years of writing. And then, you know, that's not, like, intensive, not moving from the computer. That's, you know, back and forth, um, living life and trying to work in other realms of my life. I was shooting How to Make It in America first season a lot during the writing of the script. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I'd say about two years. And this movie is so well cast, and there's so many... It's just every person in it seems so well suited for the role. Did you write it with, like, Dimitri Martin is fantastic. Did you write it with him in mind, or did you cast much later? The, um, I wrote with Michaela Watkins and Rob Corddry both in mind for those roles. But um, Dimitri Martin, I knew back in the day in New York, I knew him a little bit. And, you know, I hadn't thought of him initially. And then when I, you know, someone brought him up, said, hey, what about Dimitri Martin? I was like, yes, that is perfect. Awkward yeah. awesomeness. Yeah. And uh, so I guess we should look at a clip and then we'll talk a okay. little bit more about the movie. Go ahead. 
And the truth of the matter is, it probably wouldn't help you anyway, because let's face it, the industry does not crave a female yeah, sound. Yeah, Dad, you may be painfully aware of that my whole well, life. Not I don't being sexist, to... that's just the truth. Okay. And this whole voice-cracking problem you've grown into isn't doing any favors either. But here's what I'm trying to say, sweetheart, okay? You should stick with the accents. I mean, that's your thing. That's what you're good at. What was that great, that Russian Star Wars thing you used to do as a kid? Yeah, I know the one you're talking about. But, Dad, can we... Can no, no, we, what was it? It was... I, so don't make me do it Come right now. on. Dad, I don't want to do it right now. Please, let me hear it. These are not the droids you're looking for. <laughs> I just love that. It's so random. That's great. And that's like, that's another example, I think, of the great casting in this movie. He's so perfect and has, I'm sure, I mean, has just a voice that you remember when you Well, hear Fred Melamed is, is and was, has been um, a voiceover master for the last 20 years. So he, um, I didn't actually know that when I cast him. Um, I just thought I knew his voice from A Serious Man. I don't know if you guys saw that movie, but he, um, he plays Cy Abelman in that and he's remarkable in it. Um, so yeah, I, I was I was definitely um, I pretended like I knew basically that he had been a voiceover artist for twenty years when he told me that I was like yeah I know that's why we're here uh, you know so and the it was fact a happy accident the fact that there's so many I love Children's Hospital and the fact that there's so many faces from that show it seems like that has to be a really supportive show to work on yeah it's been now. Um, five years with Children's Hospital, second um, Emmy nomination, which is remarkable <laughs> considering it started as a five-minute web series, um, and now it's on Adult Swim and it's doing great. And also the brainchild of um, it's you know from Rob Corddry's Demented Skull and Brain. Um, and yeah, I mean, I basically wanted to surround myself with good, good old-fashioned talented people that also had a great attitude and a good sense of humor on and off screen. Yeah. There were no, there were no divas on this set. <laughs> it was very, um, you know, the Children's Hospital family is very um, generous and supportive to each other. Everyone's sort of, um, they're um, content creators. Mm -hmm. And tell me about some of the research that you did into the world of voiceover. Shockingly, I didn't do a lot of research because I was sort of... Um, Sounds dramatic, but I was living it because <laughs> I was auditioning for voiceover roles and not getting them constantly. Um, I got a you know a sprinkling of a couple here and there, but otherwise, um, I was not killing it in the voiceover industry. Um, but that said, um, I, I feel like just even being in an audition room and seeing the people waiting to go in for for voiceovers is a very you know it's a very specific. <laughs> type of person who are the masters, and you definitely see them in the movie, for sure. Mm -hmm. And even though it's a comedy, do you have any intention of maybe bringing to light the sexism in the voiceover industry? Because it sounds like it's still pretty apparent. Yeah, I mean, in the movie, it's not like a feminist, well, it, it is a feminist comedy. Does that make sense? Feminist comedy, let's, let's go with that. Um, in the set, but you won't notice, so you don't have to worry about it. It's not like annoying. I'm not gonna like hammer home or anything, because I think the best messages are sort of you don't notice them. They just sort of it's sort of funny, and then oops, there's a message, you know. But it's gonna be really spoon-fed. Um, but but there is a true problem, <laughs> an underrepresentation of of women as the omniscient voice of God. 
that is never considered a woman. Um, and, you know, apparently there was a study that said that men and women can register um, and hear a male authoritative voice, but that women and men, it was not equal if a, if a woman's authoritative voice was speaking, that, that men would just tune out the tune out the woman's voice and that's just natural and scientific i was like i call bs yeah yeah i call bs on that <laughs> i think a man wrote that 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 study <laughs> yeah um but it is an interesting conversation i don't ever claim to be kind of you know summa cum laude from yale in women's studies you know i'm just saying i am a woman so therefore i am sort of um, you know feminist <laughs> and another theme of the movie is just the father-daughter relationship that you can see a little bit of, although it's a very competitive relationship in the film. Did you draw on any personal experience for that? Or? I mean, I'm not going <laughs> to go to therapy in front of these people right now. Um, but obviously, when you write, you write from what you know, and um, characters are usually the amalgamation of all people you've met in your life or family members or you know, people you've been exposed to. But um, father-daughter competition seemed like an interesting and unique way to access a story. And um, I actually, most of the, there's this whole competitive nature uh, in this world, very sort of machismo, you know, egocentric kind of dudes, slinging swords kind of thing. And, um, and um, I actually took that from what I, when I grew up around race car tracks. My dad is in race car driving and he owns race car tracks and, and we would always, I would go to the amateur racing events and you'd see people kind of, you know, sniffing each other's butts and kind of figuring out um, who's, 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 gonna, who's faster, you know. And then my brother started racing and it was interesting the dynamic between my dad and my brother kind of being competitive, you know. It's, it's just those kind of dynamics were... I definitely used that and so looked around and didn't see very many women. And I was like, okay, this is a similar conceit here than, than the voiceover industry. Obviously, race car driving is life and death, and voiceover industry is, is not. But to apply that gravitas to that industry, I thought it might be fodder for comedy. Yeah. Um, and has your family seen the movie? What do they think of it? Oh, yeah. They, yeah, they, don't, they don't notice any of the, you know, the, the similarities that might reflect any sort of rapports that we have. <laughs> Or at least not the negative one. Well, we have another clip. Uh, I don't know if you want to say anything. Which one are we going to do? About it. The smoothie clip. Oh, okay. Yes, we do. You're right. You're right. Let's do it. So, are you um, are you going with anyone? Or? Yeah, my dad's girlfriend wants me and my sister to go to it, like as a bonding thing or something. It's really giving me whack. It's totally whack. whack. Wiggity whack, baby. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, that's probably why I'm not going, actually. Honestly, like, the only reason why I'm going is just to, like, network. Because, like, now Oh, yeah. No, no. Cool, cool. Thing, I mean, I think know? that's a smart move. If I were in your situation, I would definitely do that. Nice. It'd be, it'd be more fun if you were going to be there. Someone gets the call. What? Can you hear what I said? Excuse no, what'd you me? say? All right. Oh. I'm, Hi. No, just, are you? Hello? No, no, no. Please, just take your other call. I, okay, later. Do you know where I get this smoothie around here? Um... I'm sorry, I, I uh, do I'm not... I'm sorry, uh, I didn't hear what you said. I said I don't know where you'd get a smoothie around here at all. I'm so oh, sorry. Oh, okay, thanks so much. Yeah, no worries. And when you were making this, did you meet any voiceover people who are well-known in the voiceover industry? Or Yeah, in the movie, there's actually a fair representation of some of the real voiceover heavyweights, um, like Joe Cipriano and Mark Elliott, um, you know, guys who are working right now, Mark Grau, 
um, obviously Fred Melamed, um, who is one of the leads in the in the movie. Um, but yeah, these guys, I, I wanted to cast as many <laughs> real guys in, as possible. I would have had more if I could, but there's only so many minutes in a movie. You don't want to bore people. You know, you got to get out of there. Um, so, but yes, it was it was great meeting some of those those gentlemen, and obviously Melissa Disney. Um, who was initially in the movie and in the DVD there will be a deleted scene with her because unfortunately we couldn't put it in but um, she's amazing actually amazing actress as well so on camera the person who gets the most shout outs I think is Don LaFontaine who is repeatedly referred to as the master of voiceover were you a fan of his before what do you think that he brought to movie trailers that makes people revere him so much. So Don LaFontaine, if you guys don't know who he is, he's the guy who wrote the words, in a world, and also, in a world where. Those are the two phrases he owns. He has now passed away um, about five years ago. And um, really, when he, he actually went into the voiceover industry because he was just a copywriter, and then he was thrown into the booth, you know, because the guy didn't show up for whatever reason. So he ended up going in there, you know, laid out the track, and forever trailers were changed because his voice was remarkable. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I think, I, you know, this is very much a love letter to him in so many ways. And, he, you know, his family have been very generous in, in their support for the movie, so um, I'm honored for that. But, yes, he, he is painted as a genius in the movie because he is a bona fide legend. And I wonder if you're going to get any voiceover opportunities after... I mean, I sure as hell hope so yeah. at this point. I mean... Is it still a dream that be, you have? <laughs> yes. Um, absolutely. I cannot wait. I mean, I love the idea of the blind voice, the idea that you can be anyone in voiceover. You know, you're not judged by what you look like or whatever that... I mean, you can really be any social niveau, any nationality, any gender, for that matter. In the movie I play... Like Ken Marino is constantly on speakerphone with his like big vet old Jewish agent guy who's got an awesome voice. It's me, okay? And that I would not traditionally get cast as a Jewish man um, of an older age, um, nor a man in general. So the point is, you have a lot of freedom to be anyone, and that's cool, especially for an actor. It's like the ultimate acting. Now, since this is your first well, your first major film that you've directed, is there, what did you learn about filmmaking directing that you didn't know when you were acting in them? I mean, to be honest, I sort of like, I eased into it because I did some short form stuff first. Like I did a short film called Worst Enemy um, that I wrote and directed that went to Sundance in 2011. And then um, I did a couple children's, I directed a couple children's hospitals. I don't know if anyone watches that here. Um, and I think a lot of people probably I don't know. watch oh. it. All right. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't sure. Um, that's cool. Or at I least like DVR that. it because it comes yeah, off. Obvi obvi yeah, obviously. <laughs> no, no, I mean, these are, what you, you're not barbarians, obviously. You don't stay up that late. Um, but um, so I, that, I did have opportunities to be behind the camera and not be an actor. So when I got behind the camera for the first day of saying action, you know, for in a world, I had done so much legwork and I had a year of, of preparation. Um, just lots of notebooks, lots of lists, really obsessive about what kind of pens to use, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, got, I get really, organ I get organizationally crazy. Um, um, so, yeah, I mean, I felt good when I got there. Um, 
but the biggest surprise was probably post post production. I had never sort of existed. I did not understand the importance and the nuanced nature of it until you're in it. I understand conceptually, but you don't know until you're there that it's going to be almost a year of your life, you know, in a dark room, lonely with the editor, who's a great guy, but like enough already. You know what I mean? And from Seven the months. beginning, did you always want to direct it? And were you planning from the beginning, okay, I'm going to write this and star in it, and I'm going to direct it? I, I, no, not initially. Initially, I was shopping for a director. I wanted to always direct eventually, but then it starts to become like, when, when is that time going to be? And it was my agent, Billy Lazarus, who said, you know, I think you need to direct this. This is obviously something that you're going to be. Like, we can't find a director who's going to know what you want. Um, so that's actually what prodded me to then do uh, Worst Enemy, um, just so that I could, like, cut my teeth on something. And that was that was a Kickstarter, was it? I self-financed it. Mm-hmm. So, um, but then for post-production, I did do Kickstarter. Kickstarter had just come out. It was super jazzy, super cool. I did a Kickstarter for post-production. That was it. It was cool. Oh, that's great. But I self-financed the first, like, the production, which in hindsight, I was like, God, this Kickstarter thing's really cool. I could have, I could have done it, but it's, it's. I don't know. I felt like, what do you, what do you make money for? I think if I'm going to invest in anything, I'll invest into myself. And do you have plans? Are you working on another screenplay? Is this like something you want to continue? Yeah, I'm knee deep in my second feature, so in the writing process, which can, is lonely. Can you tell Very us lonely. anything? Any keywords? No, because it's 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 embryonic. It's it's you know it's still forming. It's still trying to find its way. I don't want to you know, I don't want to scare it. And is that also a film that you think that you might want to direct as well? Oh yeah, I don't know. I'm directing. Yeah, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But I'll be acting in other things, too, you know? Yeah. And I mean that because I really, I feel at home. I feel happy, you know, in, in this position. And um, I love filmmaking as an athletic sport. I like the, the team aspect, assembling good folks, getting together, checking in on people, making sure, you know, you got good, comfortable shoes. All right, let's go and do this, you know? And that's what I like. That's why I want to do it for the rest of my life. That's great. Uh, well, why don't we open up to these folks? If you have any questions, raise your hand and somebody will come to you with a microphone. Yes, firstly, I want to congratulate you on directing your first feature. That's Thank great. You. You've had a wonderful career. And uh, I noticed recently you've talked about your fascination with the sound of the human voice and accents. Now, could you consider doing more accents in your own acting roles? Maybe you're, I can see you being the next Meryl Streep in that respect. <laughs> Very kind, sir. Um, I will pay you that $50 after. Um, no, um, I love accents. I've, I've tried to do it a little bit um, in, in, my, in my sort of short career, because in a way it's a long haul, so I can c- consider it a short career. Um, uh, but yeah, I've, I, I really do like doing accents as in film roles, um, for sure. Um, it gives me something to investigate and to unpack and figure out. Because obviously you learn accents. If you start to really collect them, you learn them phonetically and you want to get scientific about them and figure out where they're placed in the mouth and where they're placed with your breath and how they make you move. And you know, So um, yeah, I'm excited to, to take on those types of roles, for sure. Thank you. What kind of challenges did you face directing yourself? It's a great question. Um, the... There's a myriad of challenges, obviously, because you don't want to squander that performance, especially if it's the protagonist, because regardless if it's me or not, it's like, 
I'm going to do the film a disservice if if I let that performance glide by and and falter. So uh, I had a couple of um, sort of preemptive uh, strikes <laughs> that I that I took on, which was. First, I worked with an, an acting coach, a, a sort of like fancy acting coach that I couldn't afford to have during the whole production. <laughs> but I did for two weeks intensive before we started shooting, um, just during uh, hard prep on the movie. I worked really hard with her as if somebody else wrote the script, you know, and those hours that I spent with her were just, you know, I wasn't a, a writer or a director, I just was an actor. And then I brought an acting buddy with me, which was a, an aspiring filmmaker, my friend Janixa Bravo, to be in on those those meetings so that I could then ask her, you know, she, she sort of sponged all the information I did and I'd be like, remember to, sit, if I need to talk to you about this thing that she just said, that was good, let's do, remember that. So I had her as like my teammate and then um, I hired a, um, a stand-in but I had the stand-ins um, like actually audition for the role of Carol so that the, I could pick someone who was professional, who could take on somewhat my mannerisms, and I would put her in every scene while I set up the shot and picked um, the lens and reframed and did the thousand other things that you would do um, as a director. And then I would place myself in right at the last minute. Just a quick question. Uh, in the two years that you were writing the screenplay for In A World, how many periods of writer's block did you have? And what did you sort of do to, to move past them? I mean, did you have a routine or, or you know, was it sort of random in a way? Um, I do something that's, I, I, I have other friends who do this, but I have um, a system that has sort of um, keeping me away from, or kept me away from uh, writer's block, which is basically setting up uh, self-induced writer's retreats where you're not allowed to think or do any writing at all until you get you arrive at those writers retreats within your own home or apartment or whatever. So I would just get I make my whole house. I would put two or three days, uh, like maybe four days aside, right? Um, and I know that they're coming up on the calendar, and I see them coming. And then I would um, stock my whole house with all the good snacks. You know what I mean? Like the healthy good stuff, the great drinks. You know what I'm saying? And then all the healthy stuff, and then I clean the house and everything's perfect for when I wake up on that day that I have allocated as the first day of the writer's retreat. There's no phones, there's no like, oh, let me just check this app, no. You know, there's, it's super strict. And, and I show up for work in that I wear like sneakers, I wear a comfortable outfit, I don't wear my pajamas, barefoot, ugh, that's not how I can write, you know? Because that, I think, prods writer's block. <laughs> So if you have a moment of arrival, because half the battle is just arriving, you know, when you're writing. And that has been very effective for me because somehow your body clock, your mental clock, whatever it is, it, it really does sort of arrive on that day. It's like waking up before the alarm goes off, you know? You know that you're gonna, you're gonna get there. So I don't know if that's helpful. <laughs> kind of dovetailing on that, how do you know when you're done? Right, since you're you're creating the thing, you've got the ball in motion. How do you know when you just pull back and say it's it's finished? I mean, I it's um, 
freaking great question because it, it's such a hard thing, especially in a creative medium of any sort. You know, even with editorial and whatnot. But, but with the script, I really felt, uh, you know, I lent on the generous time of friends who I admire, and I think it's really important, you know, when you're a writer to have other friends who are writers, you know, and then have other friends that are not writers that are just smart individuals that you trust their opinion. And it's the combination of those notes that really help you arrive at a place that you feel comfortable with. And it is somewhat instinctual because you do kind of have to make the call eventually. And so it's a bold thing, but making movies involves, I mean, it's not like curing cancer or anything, but you do have to make bold choices occasionally, creatively. And the hardest ones are always saying, I, I'm ready, it's done, you know. Um, but pretty much, I, I feel like you don't want to over-edit yourself, but then you do have to kind of start to trust uh, the feedback you're getting. You went to England to study, and the way they phrase words or accents, I feel like, play in with the phrasing of words. Absolutely, yeah. So I how mean, much does that really, have you ever tried doing, like, American slang with an awkward Russian accent, or does that not really work? Or it, it works, but I mean, certainly when you're writing, you know, you're writing the voice of a character that is not dissimilar f to writing for an accent, an ac you know, a character with an accent. Um, musicality plays a lot of many parts in, in the things that I, in the dialogue that I write, because, um, especially because I was in England and I really do appreciate um, the musicality of, of, of an accent and also an attitude, you know. Um, even, you know, accents within our country, you know, offer different ways of phrasing, obviously, and different cadence, and you can, it really helps me to write with that in mind. And it helps being an actor, frankly, because I basically improvise with myself and it gets very schizo in my house sometimes because um, I play all the parts and um, you know my dog just sort of looks at me and then like walks out of the room sad you know it's like what happened to my life <laughs> um, so well thank you so much for being here thank you thanks to you guys and Inner World comes out tomorrow yes